It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. This is the final episode of our six-part series discussing race and justice reform in America with former Warriors players over the last six decades. I'm joined today by Jason Richardson, who played for the Warriors from 2001 to 2007. Jason, first, thanks for being on. And to get started, I want to know how you've dealt with not having sports in your life for these last few months um it's been pretty tough uh you know because i'm a sports guy i watch every sport um you know hockey playoffs baseball basketball i'm an avid golfer now so uh it was tough you know and my kids my two kids are in sports they use sports i have a 14 year old and a 12 year old and now my daughter's in college that's 20 and you know and i used to you know seeing their practices or their games and they play multiple sports so uh, it was tough for a while, but after a while, you got used to it. Um, you know, uh, being around at home and then the golf course is open, I got to you know, go golf with a couple of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a basketball court in my backyard, and uh, that kept my kids busy for, you know, uh, quarantine. And, you know, while being quarantined, of course, you know, the video of George Floyd surfaces. How did you react to that initial video um, and now the protests that we're seeing now? Um, I, w- I was hurt. Uh, I was angered. Um, I was disappointed. It, it was just so many emotions going through me. Because um, time and time, over and over again, we have seen this on videos of uh, police officers shooting on our black men or police officers um, brutalizing uh, African Americans. And, and the, the first thing that came to my head is I got to explain this to my son again. Um, you know, I was I was raised by a police officer. Um, I understand, you know, all the the things the police officer goes through. Their job um, is a very stressful job. Um, I still have friends that are police officers. Some of my uncle friends I still talk to. They are police officers, so I totally get it. But it it, it just it it hurts and it saddens me and it, it angered me that this continued to happen. I'm being as familiar as you are with with police um what do you think needs to change have you were you thinking about this stuff before and then it just kind of resurfaces with everything that's happened recently and, and what do you think needs to change i've been thinking about this stuff for a long time um yeah. you know uh being around like i said the police officers growing up um it definitely did some reform in the police department around the country um as a kid, I grew up, you know, playing in the police leagues, um, the, the PAL leagues, the police athletic association leagues. Um, 
they were more involved in the community. They were in the community centers and they interacted with the community where kids wasn't frightened of the police and the police wasn't frightened of the community. Mm. And so when police were called, when things did happen in the community, they knew who they were dealing with. They knew that, hey, this is such and such. Uh, I know he's not going to start in trouble. So let me talk to him and see what's going on. Or if they knew it was a guy that was kind of a troublemaker in the neighborhood, I got to be more careful. They didn't come into these neighborhoods gun blazing and feeling like everybody's a threat. Everybody is out to harm them. Uh, I think that's the big disconnect that they have right now in, in police reforming is the guys that they are hiring, these guys that they are hiring have no interaction with the community. They just literally going straight from police academy right into these neighborhoods and no interaction with the community. So they feel like everybody, it might be a crime in the you know uh, neighborhood, but everybody in that neighborhood is not involved in crime. Hmm. So um, I think it, the community, I mean, the police have to do a better job of going back into the community and understand the people in those communities because not every person in that community, even those crime-ridden, are criminals. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that there used to be that connection and now there's that, that disconnect? Well, it was more funding with those those things. Um, I recently was in Las Vegas and I was talking to um, a police officer, two police officers that came up into a gym where my son was having practice uh, and they had their PAL logos on. Mm. And I thought the, you know, the police association leaves were over with. You know, it's, you know that was almost 20 years ago when I was, well, not 20 years ago, Jesus, I'm old, older than that, <laughs> almost 30 years ago when, um, you know, I was involved with those and you saw it, they were as a president there. And I was asking them, you know, hey, I thought this, you know, the penalties were over. He said, no, they're still around, but they just don't get funded as much as they used to. And I was like, wow, that's a big problem right there. You know, these police officers are not in the community anymore, so they're not understanding who's in that community. Um, you know, you take somebody... You know, that haven't had many interactions with African Americans from those types of community, come from a suburb, never had very many um, actions with anybody. You throw them in that environment that might be a hostile environment, might be a crime with uh, neighborhood, and they just automatically think that everybody's like that. So uh, I think the funding of the police and those leagues, again, back in the community and interacting with communities is definitely one thing they need to do. Um, several other things I think they could do as far as, you know, um, you have police officer, you know, seeing psychologists to understand and, you know, dealing with what they see on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, but it's definitely it a call for reform. I felt this way long before, uh, I felt this way to this day. Um, so now we're seeing a movement to defund the police. Um, you're, you're mentioning how it's a lack of just funding for these community outreach stuff. And it's honestly something I go back and forth in, on to reading different articles and different perspectives. When you see stuff about like defunding the police, what are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I mean, you can't defund the police. Let's, let, let's be realistic. Um, to this day, though, anybody, myself concluded, if something goes down, the first people on call is the police department. Let's be honest with that. Let's, not to fund the police. Let's get better training for these police officers. Let's require a college education for these police officers. Let's require longer training for these police officers. Let's let's stop, you know, ban the toehold maneuver. Let's this is a whole bunch of different things that could happen and interact with these police that need to happen that are not happening. Um, I mean time and time and over and over again, even after George Floyd how many other videos have surfaced where we see police officers with a, nick, a knee in somebody's neck mm-hmm. or somebody, you know, this is five years or six years. Uh, it might be longer than this. Um, we have, we've seen police officers put somebody in a toko at the Eric Gardner. The training is bad. 
Hey, I just I firmly believe in that. I would tell any police officer that. I would tell my friends that. I have told my friends that are police officers that that the training is bad with what's going on with the police officers. So I think the funding is not the answer. Better training is definitely an answer and the start. And you know, banning some of these these tactics these police officers are using. And when you have those conversations with your your family, your friends, people you know who are poli- in, in who are police officers. What's usually their response? Are they agreeing with you? Um, when you mentioned something like, you know, what you said before, going to see a psychologist uh, to kind of deal with what you're seeing out there in the streets. I mean, what do they think about these ideas? Uh, they, they're all for those. Um, hmm. Some of them have actually went to police captains and, and advised these these certain things, and um, but they haven't happened yet. Um, I think for me, and, and I'm not making an excuse for any officer, I think when there's a, a police brutality from an officer, it's normally a shooting when there's a death involved. It's a shooting, it's a split reaction. So it's it's hard to tell somebody what they see and what they what, what could happen in that split second because when you shoot, when a shooting is involved with an officer, it's a split second. But I think with what happened to George Floyd, George Floyd, when a police officer kneeled on somebody's neck deliberately for almost nine minutes, I think that's when a lot of police officers, the good ones especially, realize there there's a problem. There there's a serious problem. If you cannot look at that video of a man with his a knee in his neck begging that he can't breathe, begging for his mom, but basically begging for his life, you're not human. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it just it's nothing around that that could say justify that action that police officer doing that to him. We'll be right back with more from Jason Richardson, but this episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Every once in a while, we get a sponsor whose product I've already been using, and that makes these ad reads so much easier. A couple of months ago, I stumbled on the Magic Spoon, which is a healthy cereal that fit within my diet, and I love cereal. I just missed eating it because I couldn't eat it before. Just too many carbs. And this week, Magic Spoon officially became a sponsor of the show, and they recently sent me a case of cereal for free which was really generous, but also really exciting because I had actually just bought my own case. So now I've got two cases of this stuff. Um, I'm not going to have to buy it for a while, but you should. I started eating Magic Spoon because, like I said, I love cereal. It's easy. It tastes good, but it's it's really high in carbs. It's high in sugars. And those are things that I'm trying to avoid. So Magic Spoon has zero sugars, 12 grams of protein, only three net carbs in each serving. So it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO free. There are four flavors, chocolate, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. They are coming out with more flavors, um, like a Honey Nut Cheerios type of flavor. So go to magicspoon.com NBA to grab a variety pack of those four flavors and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code NBA at checkout to get free shipping. And now I'm going to be honest, if you're, if you're used to buying cereal at the grocery store, you might initially be surprised by the price. I was but I bought it anyway to try it, and I haven't gone back. Trust me, it costs more because it's good for you. Those things are worth investing in. So Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. If you try to get a refund for cereal, though, um, I don't know. I got questions for you. But try it. Try Magic Spoon. It's worth it. Uh, just give it a shot. That's magicspoon.com slash NBA. Use the code NBA for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the show. Today's episode is also sponsored by Blinkist. And here's the deal. You've heard me talk about Blinkist for a few weeks now. The concept is simple. 
If you're lazy, you don't want to read, you just don't have the time to read, this thing solves your problems. You need to know new stuff, okay? You don't want to be one of these people that are walking around not knowing anything new. That's where Blinkist helps. Um, if, if you're like me, you've probably bought a bunch of books, you haven't read them, all right, your reading list is just piling up. What Blinkist does is it takes the key takeaways, the stuff that you need to know uh, from these books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Everybody's got 15 minutes. It works on your phone, your tablet, and your web browser. It's perfect so that you can get just the main points of a book quickly and then just move on with your life. All right? It's got an audio feature that makes it easy to finish a book when you break for lunch, when you're working around the house, while you're exercising. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, accessing its massive and growing library. They've got self-help, business, health, history, bestsellers, classic nonfiction titles. They have the books that you've always meant to read but never had the time to. Right now and for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for you. Go to Blinkist.com NBA and try it free for seven days. Free is good. And if you like it, you can save 25% off when you sign up for a new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, in case you didn't know. Blinkist.com NBA. Start your free seven-day trial and save 25%, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. Is it is it because we have that video and it is so visually disturbing that um, this movement, and maybe you disagree or agree with me, but th- this movement does sort of feel different than past movement. The protests have been so wide, and and it, it's just like approval ratings for the for the protests and all these things are are skyrocketing right now. Is it because why do you think that is? Why does it feel different now than it, than it used to? Yeah, it goes back to what I just said. Like, yeah. when you see an officer hall shooting, you just don't know what can happen because it's split second. And it's been countless times where we have seen officers shoot an unarmed black man, and they got off on it. Um, the Eric Gardner situation, um, you could be saying, that, hey, he's resisting arrest, this and that, whatever. You, there's always a logic or a reason when it comes to these videos. But this guy is not resisting. And it's nine minutes. Nine minutes. I mean, that's, that just... I mean, it's giving me chills right now just thinking about it, just seeing that, that video in my head. I could relive every nine minutes of it, every second of it. I think that is causing for people to rise up and to see that this is a problem, um, that we have to fix this problem. Um, I think a lot of people could see themselves in that situation. Um, a lot of people, you know, wishing they were there to help the situation out because there's no need for it. When a guy is handcuffed his arms behind his back he's not fighting you and you literally are changing the angle of how much pressure you put on his neck you could see every time he's moving trying to get some breath mm-hmm. the guy is actually putting more pressure on his neck with his knee and i think that's what americans not just black americans i think white americans are seeing as latino americans see i just think all americans anybody that have a heart or anybody that has you know just empathy for anybody when they see that video, they understand that there's a problem going on in America that needs to be solved. Have you ever been in a similar situation or, or any sort of situation dealing with, you know, um, racial profiling from the police department? Um, you know, it happens. I mean, as as a black man, you you get used to it almost in a situation, which is a sad thing to say. Yeah. But it's been time when I was younger, I was pulled over with friends and, you know, we pulled off from a gas station. 
and we might have had a, a bottle of uh, soda and they thought it was beer. But that, I mean, that's that's normal stuff like that. Or you just come in from the na- wrong neighborhood and you get pulled over. But that's just something you get used to. And, you know, I had the ability to be around the police officer as my uncle basically raised me like my, he's my father favorite, basically. Mm-hmm. And he told me the thought process of most police officers. Not every police officer, but most police officers. At the end of the night, you know, they're coming from a tough job that's, that's very stressful. Um, at times, could be very violent. And at the end of the night, all they're doing is trying to get home. So, if anything, you come across an officer that just seems like he's out of place and he's out of line, just disobey what he does, take his badge number, and we'll deal with it. You come home. And it's sad that we have to do that because as black men, we should have the right to actually defend ourselves when we're not committing the crime. But it's the same story that I'm relaying to my sons. Because I don't want my son to be a hashtag. I don't want my son to live through anything like that. I want my son to come home at night. And even though they're not, you know, 14 to 12, but that's something that is sad and unfortunate that black fathers or black parents, mothers also, has to tell their child, their children this at a young age, which is sad. How old is your son? What's, I'm sorry, what's that? How old is your son? My sons are 14 and 12. 14 and 12. So what... When you're having these conversations with them, are they coming to you basically asking what's going on right now? Um, what are these conversations like with your family? Yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah. I can remember my wife getting pulled over. Um, she was speeding, going five miles, six miles over the speed limit, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in the car. My two sons were in the car. She was in the car. The police pulled them over, and, and both my sons are in tears. They're feeling like they're either going to jail or they're going to get killed. Okay. And so... When my wife come home and had to talk to him, I had to talk to my sons about that. Like, hey, that is not the situation. Not every police officer is like that. So, but this is a lesson I have to teach you guys right now. This is about three or four years ago. Whatever the police officer said, you do it. You know, they're trying to, they try to, you know, hey, at the end of the night, like I told him, like, like my uncle told me. They're trying to get home to their family, too. They don't know who's the bad guys, who's who's the, the good guys. Just like you don't know who's the bad cops and who's the good cops. But when it's all said and done, just, ask, just do what they say. If they ask for your license registration, don't have, have an argument with them. Give it to them. You'll figure it out. If something comes on, you get a ticket, whatever it is, you get arrested, you get a phone call, you get to call me. But when it's all said and done, you live to see another day. And it's unfortunate that you had to tell kids this 8 and 10. You know, or they were six and seven and nine, whatever the age were. It was three or four years ago. Yeah. But that's the stories that black people have to tell their kids. Black fathers, black mothers have to tell their kids. Um, I recently had a conversation with one of my uh, Caucasian friends, white friends, and they couldn't believe that this is a conversation I had to have with my kids because my kids are not allowed the same opportunities as their kids. But this is something that's been going on in, a, in America for God knows how long. Um, but that's the reality of the situation we're living in. Um, how do you think former players, current players, the NBA in general, how do you think all those um, entities can help support and push this movement forward? We're already seeing a lot of NBA players kind of stand up and speak out and attend protests. What, what do you think we can do going forward to make, keep this movement going? I think um, a lot of guys are doing a great job of, of being vocal. Supporting this cause of, you know, um, Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, it's hard for me to have to continue to spring to friends 
um, what that means. It's not saying that our lives are better than yours or we matter more than yours. It's just right now there's a problem going on. Um, and then I always get, I don't get on topic, but you always get the, what's going on in Chicago is black people killing black people. You guys not worried about that. Yes, that's an issue we have to deal with. But the, the, the difference between the two is these police officers are funded by our tax money to, to serve and protect us, not to kill us. Mm-hmm. So that's the issue that was going on right now. We are literally getting executed on spot. We're getting found guilty on spot and we're getting a death warrant on spot. We're not getting our due process in court. We're not getting our time to, you know, to prove our innocent. We're just automatically guilty. And that's what black lives matter. Um, but as far as the athletes, I think they're doing great what they're doing, continue to protest about it, continue to speak volumes on it. And I think the biggest thing that they could do is just not do it on social media. A lot of these guys are out there protesting. A lot of guys are out there in these communities donating their money, donating their time. And a lot of guys don't want that attention. Um, you hear it a lot. All these athletes, they're not doing it. A lot of these guys are in the communities. They just don't want the attention because that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about to help these communities become better and safer, um, help these kids get opportunities to um, fulfill their dreams. And I, I think, you know, they keep on advancing and keep on being vocal, uh, you know, we could we could have big changes coming in the future. The rest of my conversation with Jason Richardson continues after this, but this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all the parts you need for your car, especially now while you may not be able to visit a traditional store. So do it easily online at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, and a bunch of other stuff that I don't understand. But if you are somebody who works on your car or truck, this is where you need to go. Maybe it's for your classic driver, the thing that you drive every day. You can get anything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate, even for me, who, again, doesn't know anything You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low without the markup you find at chain stores. That I know is good. You don't want markup. You want to get a good deal, uh, and they give you a great deal because they just ship directly to you. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-thru for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What are your thoughts on sports coming back now with the NBA um, on track to resume in Florida? Because there's some concern, it sounds like, among players whether a return would distract from everything that's going on or you know, maybe a return can help support the movement. What do you think? I'm going back and forth with it because, in a sense, it can help. Um, you know, I'm hearing what the NBA is doing where guys can change their names on the back of their jerseys to put, you know, quote, 
post uh, the point of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the NBA come up with Black Lives Matter on the court. Um, but then on the flip side, there is that can distract of what's really going on or what we could really be doing out there, or what these guys could really be doing out there. Um, as far as, you know, not not taking attention away from us. Um, I think I had to tell, you know, I have several talks with friends and family members and we all agree, like, you know, this is it's unfortunate that George Floyd had to be killed the way he was to get the world's attention. Mm-hmm. It's not America's attention. It's the world's attention. We have, you know, people all over the world is protesting um, police brutality. And that's a huge thing. Um, and I think uh, we continue to grow and, and understanding why this happened and why this continue to happen. How do we stop this? That's the biggest question. How do we stop this? What needs to be reformed in a police world to stop this from continuing to happen? And I think, not, I mean, not in my lifetime, and I don't think I can say my mother's lifetime, I can probably say my grandmother's lifetime, that we had or seen something like this that have put people at ease about this, uncomfortable about this, um, you know, people trying to solve how to end this. And I think this is a very powerful time we're going through. I think it's a great time that we could figure out how to end this worldwide. And um, I'm just excited for, you know, the next chapter. And I just hope we continue to understand and grow and respect each other. I'm not trying to say everybody should be the same and equal. I mean, as far as just everybody got to be blonde and that's not, but everybody should be respected. And that's all we ask for is for us to have the same respect where we can confronted by police officers so we can live another day. Um, I want to sort of change topics with a couple more questions, but I'm sure you've seen some of the reports about the bubble in Florida. Just as a former player, what would be your concerns about having to do, live there and, and play in that sort of environment? What would be your concerns if you were one of these teams heading for the playoffs? I think the biggest concern would be my family, and that's just being an older guy. <laughs> you know, being on your family so long. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's younger guys that have kids and, and wives and significant others. Um, but that's just probably your first one. You, you're away from your family for a long period of time. Um, even in the NBA, you might be gone a week, but you always come home. Yeah. Um, I think the other question is, um, I, I heard some reports of some friends that told me that actually live in Orlando, that it's really not a bubble. Um, that you know, yes, the NBA players and the, the training staff, the coaches all had to stay there, but the hotel workers could leave. Um, so that's not really creating a great bubble if, you know, the workers that's serving you food or, you know, cleaning your hotel room get to go home or go to a party, whatever, and they could bring the coronavirus back. So I don't think it's a true bubble. Um, I think it's still kind of um, not safe in the sense of that, with the, you know, catching the coronavirus and, you know, a lot of these guys are now just getting tested and a lot of these guys are showing positive signs or have positive tests of having the coronavirus before they even go to Orlando. So uh, it's just tough, man. I just, well, I just hope everybody stays safe and, uh, and this um, can find a way to be safe for these guys. And then one final question that's completely unrelated, but I'm, I just have to ask you. Um, you're playing in the NBA Finals. It's you and four other teammates. Who do you want those teammates to be? It could be anybody from any point in time in NBA history. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Not I'm, it's on, oh, you're on man. the spot now. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm put 
Jordan and Kobe on there. See, that's three. Need a point guard. Magic. I have Magic as a point guard. Gives you some size there, too. Okay. Yeah, give me some size. Because <laughs> I'm going to have to play the small forward or power forward. You know what? I'm going to have to redo this. All right, so my point guard is going to be Magic. Two guard going to be Jordan. I will have to play three and we'll have to... I'm gonna have to pull Kobe off. It's just I have, if I have to be on the team. Right. Um, by four, I would probably say Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. and my center will be. Man, it's hard to pass up Shaq, but man, Akeem was really skilled. Ooh, that's tough. I'm gonna go with Shaq. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the right answer. Um, all right, Jason, I really appreciate that. Those, those, that was um, really great answers to my questions. So thank you so much for your time, sir. No problem, Wes. Have a great one. You too. Thanks again to Jason Richardson for joining the show. That was the final episode of our series. You can go back and listen to parts one through five on the podcast feed. Remember, subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, where you can rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Hey, Bay Area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked on Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.